You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Actress and comedian Julie Halston is an incredibly talented human and a dynamic advocate for people living with pulmonary fibrosis. She received the 2020 Special Tony Award in recognition of her charitable work and advocacy. Julie's recent credits include Tootsie, You Can't Take It With You, Anything Goes, Hairspray, Gypsy, and the Sex in the City reboot. Julie is also starring in the new audio comedy, Rolling Calls. Everyone loves Julie, her energy, her talent, her comedy, her humanity. I know that I do, and I'm so happy to welcome her here today to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Hi, Julie. Jen, I'm so happy after our technical wildness. Yeah. We're, we're together. We're here. We're doing it. Yes. For everybody listening, we had some major tech issues getting this together, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. so anyway, thank you so much for joining today. Of course. I thought maybe we would start with a little bit of sort of rapid fire questions. So to okay. a little warm up, a vocal warm up, you can call it. I'm going to ask a question. Just shoot out the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. All right. What are three words that you think describe you? Enthusiastic, judgmental, glamorous. Oh, very. (laughs) (laughs) If we knew that a meteor was going to hit our planet and you could prepare your last meal or order it, what would you want to eat? Oh, it would be something Italian. It would involve copious amounts of wine and, (laughs) and maybe a bolognese. Uh-huh. Bolognese, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salad, you know, a whole thing. Yeah. A whole yeah. thing. But it'll be Italian. Dessert? I'm not a tiramisu person. Uh, maybe maybe I'd go French with the chocolate mousse. Maybe. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Italian for the main course and French for dessert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you could be a part of any fictional family, whether it be on Broadway or television or film, what family would you want to be a member of? Oh, my goodness. That's a very good question. Well, actually, I do feel very much a part of the Broadway family. So I don't really, you know what I mean? That's not a fiction. That's actually very real. And that was always my dream to be part of the Broadway family. And that is my favorite family in the whole world, mm-hmm. uh, other than my own family. But uh, it really is my favorite family. Um it so if there was a fictional family, well, you know, I I actually watched a, one of those uh, updated, not updated, but PBS had, you know, I think it was with Mayor Winningham, uh, the Little Women uh, kind of reboot kind of thing, and I I thought that was actually quite well done, and I I, I liked I liked all those gals. I I thought that might be kind of fun, although I do think. In real life, they would have torn each other to shreds. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was so I, much in that family. Wait, so it was Amy and Joe, 
I forget the other sisters' names, but we'll make five sisters, and the last sister will be Julie. Is that what you're thinking? Beth. Beth. Beth, Beth was one of them. Right. And uh, yeah, and the last sister might be Julie. And yeah. of course, she she would be the most successful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Julie, where's your happy place? Uh, well, in a theater, on a set. I, I and um, quite frankly, I I love my bed. To be <laughs> honest, um, I mean, if we're going to really talk turkey, I love my bed for a lot of reasons, and I love it <clears throat> when I'm not alone in that bed. That's a whole other podcast, isn't it? That's another podcast. Yeah, that is a different podcast, but we'll, that, we'll schedule yeah, that. that, that that's a, yes, talk about Broadway gives back. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, I like that. But I also do a lot of work in my bed. I write my one-woman show in my bed. I watch television. I, watch, I, do, I multitask in my bed. And uh, I also have the cats. I have two cats. Do you ever sleep in your I do sleep in the bed. I do. I sleep in it. I have two cats as well, Daisy and Buster, and they're always on my bed as well. So it's really kind of a, a fabulous, relax, pet the cats, drink some tea, work, watch something for another broadcast. Do, do you know what I mean? Um, so, but that's my favorite place. That's my happy place is my bed. I love that. I have not had that answer yet from anybody. So thank well, you for that. <laughs> You're sharing it. There you I go. have so much more I want to say, but I'm going to continue here. Okay. Um, what is your most used emoji when you're texting people? Oh, I don't love the emojis, but I usually do use a heart. So lately, because of politics, I've been using a blue heart. But, um, but yeah, a heart, a heart. And a kiss. Oh, I like the kiss, too. I like the big red kiss. So those are the two that I use the most. Did you, I just read recently that you can't use thumbs up anymore because it's offensive to Gen Z. Did you see that article? Uh, no. So now I've stopped using thumbs up because I... This is a whole nother discussion. I know. It's, it's another podcast. That's another <laughs> podcast. I didn't realize that, but okay, no more thumbs up. And I also heard, I also heard, and, 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 and I understand, you can't use the word blind spot anymore. Okay. For, That's for, for, yeah, you can't use blind spot. So when you're driving, you can't say, oh, my God, I got to figure out what to do with the blind spot. So what you do, I think, is you just say, I can't see. <laughs> I can't see. So turn around and find out if there's a truck behind me. I mean, so yeah, language. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll go back to the blue heart. I like that. Yeah. Kiss. Yeah. Yes. So getting serious for a second, what do you most give a damn about these days? I mean, there's so much to give a damn about, but like what's on the top of your give a damn list? Other than my recent Botox. Um, <laughs> and that is on my high priority list. Um, <laughs> I really care about finding a cure for pulmonary fibrosis. I am, it's really, really, really a big mission in my life. Here are my two passions, Jan, the theater and a cure for pulmonary fibrosis. The theater is also in trouble. We're, we're, this is a really serious situation here. We've got, you know, a theater 
industry that is still not quite back. It's still struggling. And, you know, I've heard people say this, like, oh, do we really need theater? We all live stream now anyway. Why do we have to go to the theater, whatever? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We still need live events. We still need live theater. There's nothing like it. I just went to see Take Me Out Again uh, and Rich Greenberg's glorious masterpiece. And let me tell you, everyone in that theater, the minute that show started, we were energized. We were emotional. We were, you know, thousands of people together experiencing something together. I always talk about that, that connection in the theater. And I'll just share with you, last night I saw Leopoldstadt and I I was, I, I, honestly, this morning I wasn't sure I was going to make this podcast because I was crying for hours, like just yes. sobbing. It's very much the story of my family, so it hit home very close. But that feeling in that theater was so unbelievable. Um, but I woke up this morning with a headache and swollen eyes. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to do this. But um, a little ice and a little medication helped. Um, but it was so, it was such a healthy cry. You know what I mean? It was such a communal healthy cry. And only things like theater can give that to you. And Well, this is the other thing, Jan. Look what's happening in the world. The hate, the anti-Semitism, the anti-LGBTQ, look at what is going on. Anti-woman. The theater is where you take your ideas to the public and you can do it in a meaningful way. It's not a soundbite. It's a play and a musical, but that's where real ideas get discussed in a real way. That's very important. This is a real discourse. And I think, you know, we're so used to now a soundbite or, you know, a quick little quote and blah, 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 and then that defines something. No, let's have a real discussion. And that's where the theater can really do something in a beautiful, meaningful way and we have to not only save it we have to keep it going plus my other passion is new york city mm. you know it's been my dream to live in new york city i grew up on long island i had a wonderful childhood i loved long island i you know, i was one of i had a core there i was rom roaming around long island having a blast <laughs> by the time i was nine years old though i knew i gotta live in new york city and i met and that meant manhattan Manhattan is, was the dream, and I love it. And I love that I bought a place in Manhattan, and I own it, and it's mine, and it blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the theater and Manhattan are intertwined. When you were out on Long Island, did your parents take you to, to the city to come to see shows? Yes. My mother dragged her three little girls all over the place. We went to the Frick. We went to the Guggenheim. We went to the theater. Um, she loved to dance. My mother was a very good dancer. She wasn't a trained dancer or anything, but, and she loved the theater. And the, one of the, I don't want to cry, but when mm -hmm. I did get that Tony, you know, my mom had already passed and it meant so much 
for me to hold that Tony and sort of think about my mom and my late husband, because those were the two biggest supporters of my life. And they supported my career so strongly. And they weren't here. But they are here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Yes, I do. I do. I know what you mean on so many levels. Yes, yes. I, I want to get into some of the stuff that you just mentioned. Um, you know, you're one of the busiest actresses around. You do so much work um, on on Broadway and, and on television and, and your advocacy work. So let's start with that because I feel like your advocacy on behalf of the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation is so important. And it is a story about you and your late husband who suffered from pulmonary fibrosis and it's very personal for you. So would you mind sharing that story with us? Of course. Um, my late husband was Ralph Howard and a lot of people in New York knew Ralph Howard because he was the anchor man for 1010 wins for many, many years. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, he actually worked for Howard Stern for eight years doing the news, which was all Howard all the time, which was great. And he loved Howard and he loved working with Howard. Um, and, but he was one of the most recognized voices in New York city. You know, I'm Ralph Howard. Uh, and people still come up to me on the street and say, you don't, you might not know me, but I grew up with your late husband's voice all my life. And it really meant a lot to me and it still does. And, um, one day, uh, Ralph, uh, he always thought he had asthma and he would just take asthma medicines. And, but one day he was coming out of the subway uh, from the studio and we were going to meet for dinner. And uh, I was at home and uh, he, he could not, he could barely walk up the stairs of the subway. This is a man who was leaping around New York, you know, just everywhere. And he was totally fit. And he thought he was having a heart attack. And he literally knew that our GP was right around the block. So he just brought himself to the office and uh, they took him in right away. And they were listening to his lungs and his heart and everything. And they heard the crackling sound of pulmonary fibrosis. And uh, they called me in and they said, we're going to send him to a specialist right down the hall. The specialist took a listen, did x-rays. Uh, he said, look, we really need to do like an MRI or a CAT scan to CPF. But I can tell you from listening, I think I know what it is. Anyway, we did all these things and it was PF, pulmonary fibrosis. And what that means is that the lungs are drying up. And uh, we didn't, we never even heard of it, Jan. We didn't know right, what it was. Right. And I said, well, what is it? And how do we, how do we, you know, deal with it? He said, well, it's a fatal disease. You have about a year. Oh. It was the longest walk home we ever did. And it was around the block from where we lived. Mm -hmm. We could barely speak. The worst was telling Ralph's children. Uh, but the pulmonologist said one good thing. And he said, look, I am a teacher at New York Presbyterian. And I know those guys up there. 
and I'm going to call them and I'm going to see if we can get Ralph on the lung transplant list because that will extend his life. So that's what happened. But it was such a journey, Jan. It was a long journey. That's when Ralph did get the lung. And here's, the, here's where life is a miracle. Ralph got his lung on our 18th wedding anniversary. Wow. And, wow. and he got the gift of life and he lived an extra eight years. And we traveled all over the world and he walked Lindsay, his youngest, down the aisle. And he saw the birth of some great grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was the one who said, Julie, we have to, we have to help other people. We got we to gotta do something. And Michael Kushwara, who was mm -hmm. the drama critic for the Associated Press, as Ralph him. was being, you knew him. He was such a doll. He and Ralph yeah. were good friends. As Ralph was getting diagnosed with PF, Michael passed away from PF. It was such a confluence of these weird, strange wow. things. And that's when we said, well, we have to honor Mike. We have to learn more about this. And Ralph said, we got to raise money. We got to get involved. And they told us about the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation. And they got involved with us and we got involved with them. And now it was a small family foundation. And Jan, in the last 12 years, it's a national organization. Mm -hmm. And we've really, it's grown exponentially. There were a few care centers in the United States that would handle PF patients. There were now over 70 care centers wow. that are handling and understand pulmonary fibrosis. So, and they give their patients and caregivers the right amount of care or information, uh, get them to the right doctors, Many more people are doing lung transplant now. It's been really heartening to see how we've grown. The budget was small. Now it's much larger. Right. And after the Tony Awards, dare I say, <laughs> you know, you think, you think, oh, well, what does Broadway have to do with pulmonary fibrosis, whatever? There are many people in the United States who understand you know, this disease because it's in their family and they also love Broadway. And do you know, we did a lot of publicity after I got the Isabel Stevenson Award. 33 million people heard about it. And we got a lot of big donations, a lot. So Which enabled I, you to help a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people get to the right doctors and the right care and also to help caregivers because it's very hard on the caregivers. You yeah. know, this is not a cold. This is right. a life-threatening illness that, you know, can be managed much better these days. So anyway, I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful for a cure uh, in my lifetime, in my lifetime. So we'll, uh, well, it's so it's so important. You know, I wonder, talk about the special Tony. I was in the audience that night. Oh, um, with a mask on, because that was, you know, 2020, right? Yes, yes. I was 21, it was September. Um, 
and I heard your speech. It was beautiful. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about like what that, you know, what that feeling was like receiving that honor and how did you hear about it? And Well, it's quite a little bit of a story, I must say. Um, they tricked me. It was a little <laughs> bit of a trick. Mm -hmm. I um, am very friendly with Sue Frost, who's actually on our advisory board for the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation. And I love Sue Frost. We Sue, love Sue. You know, she's the best. Sue Frost uh, said, called me one day and said, oh, hey, Julie, um, uh, we're trying to put together a committee of people to talk about the reopening of Broadway when COVID gets more manageable or whatever. And I know you like to be involved with lots of different things. And um, uh, I also wanted to invite someone from the Broadway League to talk to us about this. And I said, uh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll be on that committee, whatever. She said, oh, good. Let's have a, a phone conversation at four o'clock on Thursday. I said, great. So we all get on our, you know, we did a merged call. Uh -huh. You know how that goes. I said, oh, hey, guys, Broadway League, Sue Frost, you know, what's going on? What What do you need from me? They said, oh, you, you're not on any committee. I said, <laughs> what? What? What's happening? And they said, oh, that was just a ruse to get you to this. I said, what, Sue? What's happening? <laughs> she said, we're giving you the Tony Award. We're giving you the Isabel Stevenson Award. And Jan, for one split second, I thought, this is the cruelest joke in the world. Like, is Sue, like, how could you do this to me? And I said, Sue, what? And she said, we're giving you the Isabel Stevenson Award. <laughs> and they have a nice little speech. They said, we feel you're so deserving. And, uh, and the committee decided on it. And there were 31 people involved. And da, 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 da. And I got so choked up. I said, look, I have to get off this phone call. And I said, I have to go and sit down in my living room right now. And I just sat down and I cried. I cried for like 15 or 20 minutes. And they said, oh, they said to me, now you can't make any announcements because it's going to be in a press release. And they said, but uh -huh. we would like to know of all the outlets, because they're all going to want to know about it. What outlet would you like to get first dibs? And I said, well, it's got to be Associated Press because of Michael Kushwar. Yeah. And that was the first, they broke the story. Mm -hmm. I was allowed to tell my manager and my agent. And <laughs> Jan, I'm surprised you didn't hear the screaming. There was so much <laughs> screaming. I, Michelle Cottrell and Bill Butler and Gary Gersh, and we were all on the phone and we were just screaming, screaming. My neighbors <laughs> must have thought I was being hacked to death. But we were screaming with joy and it was just fantastic. And, um, Oh my gosh, when I told the PF, you know, the, the foundation, it was yeah. just, it was wonderful. So I listen, Broadway is, you know, the theater. Mm -hmm. My mission are two things, you know, the theater and pulmonary fibrosis foundation. If 
I was able to bring them together. I want to keep that going. I want to keep that going. I want to keep Broadway belts going. That's why I do it every year. The Broadway community is the most generous, most talented. They're the most generous, most talented people on planet Earth. I, I, I mean, not that I don't love film directors and lighting designers in the cinema or whatever, but can we just talk about Broadway performers? They're the most talented people on planet Earth. I'm going to go talented and caring. And that's why this podcast is called Broadway Gives Back. Yeah. And they're the most incredible community. So generous, so caring. They get it. You don't have to ask twice. You don't have to ask twice. It's fantastic. They're amazing. It's the community I dreamed about when I was nine. I love being a part of it. It's so great. And I just, um, I always think about how do people become sort of caring, giving back, philanthropic people? And the Broadway community certainly has, you know, everybody in the community is like that. But I was thinking about that for the people listening, you know, that aren't necessarily, they're Broadway fans, but maybe they're not directly in the community. And I was thinking about what motivates somebody to be a philanthropist. Um, in your case, it was a very personal, yes. you know, it was a very personal thing. Um, you know, someone that you love was touched by something. And so you knew you had to act yes. and, and make a difference. Right. Right. And other people have shared with me. And for my, for me personally, I think it's about, it's like a DNA thing. Like my mother was very philanthropic and very, she was a big social activist. So I think I, it was modeled for me. Yes. But I wondered, you know, I can't, you know, how do you think people should get involved in things that, that give back? Well, another one of my heroes is Tom Viola. Uh, and, and Tom, of course, as everyone knows, is, uh, is the director of Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, um, and has been leading that for many, 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 many years now. Tom and I were both in acting class together. Um, oh my gosh, really? I didn't oh, know that. Oh yeah, we were in acting class together at the T. Schreiber studio. But clearly the AIDS crisis created so much activism for so many, particularly in our industry, and Tom was one of them. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it's one thing to get involved in the beginning. But Tom has remained a stalwart. I, I really do believe this as well. I got involved with the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation because it was very personal. We lost our friend Michael. My late husband was... Uh, but what keeps me in it is the joy and that I see when people uh, are helped enormously. And I, Tom and I talk about these things a lot. Uh, and Tom was very helpful to me when I got involved with doing charity work. He gave me a lot of good advice, and he still does. Um, but Tom has seen the goodness that mm-hmm. he has spread. And I think that's what keeps everyone going. When You know, whenever I'm really down about something, oh, this is going to sound so Pollyanna, and, and people are going to say, she's... She could be a bitch. How could she sound so Pollyanna-ish? But whenever I am really down about something and I get down, you know, whatever it is, 
I always remember, oh, you know what you really need to do? You need to do service for someone else today. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds Pollyanna-ish. You don't want to hear it, but... Not to me. It sounds exactly right. The minute you do service for someone else, you're going to feel better. You yes. really... It, it, it works. And that's what, what happens. And, you know, I think Tom has seen that. I have seen it. And it's the way I want to guide the rest of my life as well. Um, the minute you're unsure of something, the minute you're a little down, the minute you're envious or this or that, yeah, you could wallow in that for a little while and then do some service. You're going to feel better. This is why you got the Isabel Stevenson Award <laughs> for, that, wow. for that very spirit. Yeah. And Tom's a good friend. He's been on this podcast too. So um and so now, Tom, we were sending love to you, too, if you're listening. You know, Julie, you talked a lot about, um, you know, doing the TV stuff and doing the Broadway. And, and, and look, again, nothing disparaging at all about Hollywood because I live half my life in Hollywood, too. Um, but I just wonder from a professional point of view, um, you know, you, you've done both. Right. And what is like what's what are the pros and cons like of doing TV versus doing, you know, theater? Well, I love TV as well, and, and or a film. And first of all, TV pays a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big pro. That's a big yeah. pro. Um, and, you know, uh, doing a character like Bitsy Bun Muffling, not only is, you know, you make money, and, and but it's on a show with great people there. And talk about, I mean, generous, fantastic, wonderful people. Um and 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 to create a character that lives on and on and on, you know, that's it. it's a big pro, and I would love to continue doing more and more of that. Uh, the 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 problem I think that I and it's not a problem. The reason I want to continue to do both is because you do not have that electric moment with an audience. Mm-hmm. It's great when you have a terrific crew, you know, and like, for example, uh, I've done a number of episodes of Gossip Girl and and just like that. And the crews and the casts are just so great and they're so wonderful and I have so much fun. But, you know, you do it over. You, you do it over. You stand around a lot. And there's a lot of that. The thing that's so lovely about doing theater is it's it's you do it straight through. You have that incredible, unique experience of going from A to Z with the joy of doing it in front of all these people and you're all experiencing it together. It's a very different sensibility. I love doing both. I'd love to be um, a series regular on a hot, fantastic show, as well as keep doing theater, as well as keep doing my one-woman show at Birdland, as well as working for the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation. What does it mean? It means I might get five hours of sleep, but I don't care. I want to do it all. You'll be in your bed for those hours. Exactly. (laughs) I want to do it all. I've been doing it all, and I think that I, there's no reason why not, you know, look, I don't have children. I had five stepchildren. They're all grown. I adore them. 
They now have children. I love seeing, I have 11 grandchildren. I know, that's your cue to say, you can't possibly, you don't look it, you don't look like a grandmother. <laughs> you took my line, you took my line. <laughs> but I, and I adore them. I absolutely, I love it. And they love coming to New York and staying with me. Um, I love the whole thing. I love my rich life. You know, you have to work hard for a rich life, but I love it. And I want to continue it as long as possible. Well, I don't doubt that you will be continuing it for as long as possible. And, um, you know, speaking of continuing things and doing something different, you're also in um, Rolling Calls, which is an audio comedy slash dramedy or what. Explain. Tell us about it. I know that one of my really close friends is also in that, Luis Miranda, with you. Oh, oh, no. Oh, wait. Can we just have a little divergent? Luis Miranda. My crush from the 1980s. No, no, no. Everyone talks about everyone talks about his son. I'm like, forget the son. How about Louise Miranda? Sexy, sexy man. Oh no, I had I had such a crush on him when he worked for like the Ed Koch administration. Uh huh. I, I had a crush on him. Crazy, I know. No, he's I'm I'm, I'm mad for him. Um, uh, I know. Well, I, I'm just going to say right now, Luce, don't be jealous. It's okay. We're all just friends. That's his wife. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. Yeah, no, of course, of course. You're the um, cutest couple ever. <laughs> no, it's the cutest family. They're fantastic. They're amazing. Um, Rolling Calls, Steve Rosen, Gordon Greenberg um, wrote this very funny series. And I play Dinah. Dinah Levine, Dinah Levine. Well, she calls herself Dinah Levine, I believe. And um, she's a talent agent, kind of a bad one. Um, uh, and I'm married to Richard Kind, who's, who's a dentist, but who has issues. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dinah is the kind of character I love. She's out there. She's crazy. She can be nuts. Basically has a heart of gold. Do you know what I mean? She mm -hmm. wants to see people succeed, but she's in a terrible business. She's an agent, you know, she's cutthroat. It's cutthroat. It's a very funny series. And you don't have to know anything about the theater, really, or show business to enjoy the characters. That's what I really love about good writing. You don't really, I mean, it helps to know inside scoops and inside things about show business, but really it's about, you know, this kid who's trying to make a living for himself in New York City, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. Well, this. A million kids right now, you know, another hundred people getting off of the bus and the plane and the this and the, and they're trying to make something happen for themselves. So they don't, you don't even need to be involved with show business. But if you are, it's even funnier, I would think. You get all the inside jokes, yeah. All the inside jokes. But again, you don't need to, they're, they're outrageous characters and, uh, Oh, they're they're all great. Everyone's talented. Everyone's terrific and funny and heartfelt. And you know, Steve Rosen. Oh my lord, one of the funniest human beings on planet mm -hmm. Earth. 
we did Confederacy of Dunces with Nick Offerman up at the uh, Huntington Theater in Boston a number of years ago. Uh, I had so much fun with Arnie Burton and Steve Rosen. I'm telling you, it was one of the most glorious times of my life uh, in Boston. And my two best friends live in Boston. So I, I'd i love to go up there again. And, and, and I wish Confederacy of Dunces made it to Broadway. It, it just, there were many different issues and problems, but it's a great yeah. idea for a Broadway show. And Nick Offerman was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love his book. The book. Uh, Come on, it's one of the classics. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing an audio, um, you know, comedy or drama, so is it like, is it like old time radio where like you're, where are you recording it in your home? Are you going to studio? Like, how does it even work? And are you, are you, are you all together or are you recording individually? How does it, how does it work? Well, too? it's both actually. We, uh, again, we still had to, you know, follow protocols, COVID protocols. We were in a studio uh, Richard Kind and I were together for our scenes. Seeing his face would probably like just motivate me to like totally be in it, right? Because oh, his face oh, is so. Please. <laughs> I mean, I love Richard, but you know, I want to kill him. Uh, <laughs> th- that's how I feel about Richard Kind. I love you and I want to kill you. So uh, <laughs> it was great that we were together, but right. there were other people in different locations. So we were all coming in from different studios and whatnot. Gordon was a great director. And he would say, you know, I think she's a little softer in this moment, or I think she should really go crazy in this moment. He'd give nice directions. And then I would do like, say, three sometimes. And he'd say, oh, I like that second one a lot. Let's put that in. Um, It was a very nice process, though. and it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was like doing a radio, but we were able, like you're saying with your podcast, we could edit, you know, so the best take was going to was going to happen. Right. Yeah. So in a way, it's like you get the best of both because you've got the energy in the room with you and Richard, and then you've got the opportunity to fix things in post if you need to. Or, or Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Richard was on this podcast and, you know, I said to him, so, you know, let's talk about philanthropy. He goes, I don't know anything about that. I said, why are you, why are you here? He goes, I don't know. People ask me to play golf for charity and I do it. That's my, that's my philanthropy. So he's so honest. I love him though. He's, yeah. he's such, he's a great, he's a lovable curmudgeon, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, he's, it, and, and he is hilarious. He is hilarious. He's hilarious. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so everybody has to go um, listen to rolling calls. I'm going to do that. I have I, that's going to be one of my my things I do when I walk around the city here. Jan, I just I just I was listening to it, and I got to tell you, because you know, there's that moment where you go, eh, "Did it really come out all right? You know, did, <laughs> is it really good? You know, you do it, you say, okay, I did it. I got friends. I blah blah blah. I got the check cleared. It's good." It's really <laughs> funny. It's really good. So I would urge people to to listen to it. Going back to giving back yeah. um, and doing good in the world. I just wondered, you know, I always ask people, what advice would you give your fans um, about getting involved in causes? And, you know, some people have answered this question very like strategically. Some have been more emotional about it. Um, but a lot of people, you know, to your point earlier, you know, it feels so good to give, right? But a lot of people don't know how to get started or they'll write a check and, 
you know, there's so many causes, there's so many things to support. It's overwhelming. Yes. Yes. What advice would you give people? Well, it's also very hard because <clears throat> particularly for people who are in, say, for example, in the theater world, all right, or or in show business or whatever. This is a very brutal business, as we know, Jan. This is a tough business. Just just trying to get jobs can be an all-consuming preoccupation. And I understand that. And it's very difficult. You say to yourself, oh, I'd like to do a lot of things, but you know, I've got to get an audition ready. I've got I and then I, I it's it's a tough, it's not like you go to the office every day and get a steady paycheck. It's very tough. Artists have a tough road, but artists see things sometimes in a different way than the rest of the world. Uh, and they might have some empathy for outliers or, you know, people that other people might not even see. Artists, it's important to get in touch with your artistic self. And when you do, even as you're struggling and trying to make it and whatnot, I think it's important to really ask yourself a lot of times, what really means something to me? What is it that really means something to me? Now, for me, obviously, it became about a very personal situation. But maybe maybe you don't have a friend or a loved one who's ill or whatever. But think about what is it that really means something to me? Is it a political situation? Is it a per, is it the prison system? Is it a disease? Is it children? Is it elderly? Is it something? Is it my faith? Is it you know uh, uh, what whatever? Think you just have to think about what means so much to me. Artists will answer that question. They know. They know. And think about getting involved. You don't have to get involved all in right away. Little baby steps are always good. You know, baby steps are steps. So, yeah, you might write the check. But then the next time you might say, you know what? It really, it really upsets me that there are children in this country that 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 aren't getting meals. You know, there's a there's a community center right near me, and they have a food bank. I'm going to ask about. It. I'm going to just ask about it. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. You go, you ask about the food. Maybe you'll give food. Then maybe on a holiday you'll actually give out some food. You know, I'm just saying these are the steps. You just take these baby steps and you'll find, oh, you'll meet people for one. Oh, oh, I'm meeting new people. Oh, they get together every Thursday and they collect, they collect food from all the restaurants and they, right. they like the city harvest or whatever, whatever, say that was your thing. You'll say, hey, you know what? On Thursday, I'm going to do that. I'm so that's what I'm just saying. You can start small, but start. It will change your life. It will change your life. It helps your art because you meet new people. You have different experiences. You get outside of yourself. You know, it's so easy, particularly for actors, 
you know, they, they could go down a rabbit hole very quickly. <laughs> Why didn't I get this? Why? How did she get that? You know, <laughs> when you get outside yourself, it helps. And it helps you be a better performer. I, I'm convinced of that. Complete. Yeah. And I think for people who aren't performers, it helps you to be a better person, right? It just, and it, and everybody has a creative side to some degree. Of and course. my creative side might be as strong as yours, Julie, but you know, I tapping into that makes me a more well-rounded, healthier person, right? Yes, of course. With very good hair, by the way, your hair is stunning. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. You. Yes. <laughs> You're so sweet. But I wondered any last words for for everybody listening um, on anything we've talked about. The last words I would just say is there, there is that expression, it's better to to give than to get. And and I would modify that. I would say it's not necessarily better to give than to get. What what I would say is when you give, you do get. When you give, you do get. And the other thing is. Look, we're in a terrible, terribly fraught time. It's very hard right now. And it's hard for everyone. Know that goodness still exists. Empathy still exists. Creativity still exists. Theater still exists. I think we're in for some battles. I think we're in for some struggles. Struggle is not giving up. You know, as as John Lewis would say, let's get into some good trouble. Let's get into some good trouble. Well, I think you get into a lot of good trouble, Julie. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm going to go mic drop on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit vpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 